Welcome back, everybody. Once again, Playing Politics, partnership with the Star Tribune and WCCO Radio. Chad Hartman here from WCCO, Patricia Lopez and John Rash from the Star Tribune. Patricia, let's uh, let's start with the president and let's start with his words with Senator Bob Corker. This is a very established, (laughs) very well-respected Republican. And uh, the president uh, has not enjoyed some of the comments that Mr. Corker has made over the you last month. Little or so. Bob Corker? Yeah, we'll get to little in a second, but the dust up. Mm-hmm. Then Bob Corker basically said, I'm going to talk to the New York Times. I'm going to be on the record. You're going to be on the record. Mm-hmm. And that's when the president went to little that he was trapped. Well, he wasn't because everybody recorded it. Mm-hmm. So is this just typical of the president jousting with Republicans? And how important is it to the president? and the Republicans' agenda going forward. It's very important. Uh, You know, first of all, I wouldn't even call it jousting. Um, He does this to distract people, um, for one thing, and also because it just, um, I I really feel it's him giving in to petty impulses again. You know, this is the thing a a middle schooler might do. You know, well, you were mean to me, so now I'm going to call you a nasty little nickname. Honestly, what does that do? You know, a an adult would be mindful of the fact that he's got um, a long and difficult agenda to get through mm-hmm. uh, the House and the Senate. With a narrow margin. With a narrow margin, um, which Republicans are certainly mindful of. They know they can't afford to lose anybody. He seems completely oblivious to that. So again and again, you see him working at cross purposes and then wondering why he has no significant achievements yet in his first nine months in office. Uh, You know, you have to wonder why he does not see this pattern and do something about it if he really does want to move these things forward. Um, But I'm not sure that I'm not I'm no longer sure that he really does. What do you think of this one, John? Beyond the personal dynamics, which Patricia so well describes, there is the policy perspective, both in terms of getting legislation to the Senate, as she just referenced, but also what Senator Corker said. And, of course, Senator Corker leads the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. His words are amplified not just in our national debate, but with international issues as well. And when he talks about a president, and this could be any president of any party, but particularly one who's also a Republican, potentially leading us into World War III. Those are extraordinary words for a very measured man Yes, who people across the world are looking towards the Senate, towards figures like John McCain and Senator Corker to try to give some sense of stability when they have such an unstable message coming from the administration. So this is something that's become an international issue, and it also reflects upon what will probably be the big development we'll talk about next week's playing politics, which is the fact that by this Sunday, President Trump has to decide on certification of the Iran nuclear deal. Mm -hmm. And if indeed he decides to decertify, despite the complete consensus of the IEAE, which is the international body which has to verify this, the other countries who are part of the multinational pact, as well as Secretary Tillerson and Secretary Mattis, and he kicks this to Congress, this is going to be a big congressional issue as well. Can can I also say, you know, what an unfortunate development it was this morning that Speaker Paul Ryan, in in choosing to weigh in on this, said that... um, 
uh, Senator Corker and President Trump should just, quote, talk this out as though this were some little, again, little mm-hmm. schoolyard Minor. squabble. Right. This is the head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee warning that this president is leading us in, on a path to war. Well, here, here's and, one of the quotes. You know, yeah. I know for a fact that every single day at the White House, it's a situation of trying to contain it. Mm-hmm. This isn't someone who's on the opposite side of the no. party, sees life so philosophically differently. On policy issues, mm-hmm. they just aren't that far apart. Paul Ryan reflects the few comments, Patricia, from Republicans where they should talk it out. There's nobody who's come out and disagreed mm-hmm. with what Bob Corker said That's right. from Republicans, <laughs> not a soul. Yeah, he's ringing the alarm bell. Uh, and and Ryan needs to recognize that this is not just some even though President Trump tried to make this a personal matter by personally insulting uh, Senator Corker. This is not a personal matter. This is Senator Corker sounding the alarm on potential war. Well, another point of this that the the president made with the Senator Corker was saying he gave us the Iran deal. When the facts just don't prove that out. No. Right. The facts don't prove. In fact, Bob Corker wanted to have a process where Congress could weigh in. But then in the end, where did Bob Corker vote? No, he absolutely, he, did, he didn't vote in support. So again, if if folks are just paying attention to what really happened, the president is flat out lying through mm-hmm. the tweets he offered up. Mm-hmm. And in terms of Congress weighing in, that's exactly what they're going to have to do, given the fact the way that the Iran deal was put together. And I think it's important to point out that the very belligerent behavior that Iran is rightly accused of in terms of regional instability, ballistic missile tests, and other issues is exactly why they tried to keep the nation from developing nuclear weapons. And that's why the Iran deal is in place. And if indeed the president declines to certify the deal, which is legislatively required every 90 days, that also sends extraordinary signals across the world, especially to Pyongyang and North Korea, should we ever get into a diplomatic dialogue with them to try to cool the North Korean nuclear crisis as well. So the amplification effect of this impending decision by the president is quite significant. Well, it's closing off another diplomatic avenue. And as uh, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice weighed in, I think it was yesterday, and said mm-hmm. "Give it's time to dial back the rhetoric and yeah. give diplomacy a chance to work. And part of that is ensuring that the when the United States gives its word that it means something, that it's not immediately going to go back. Um, you know, Iran agrees to a deal. Well, now we're going to decertify it. So what then do we offer the North Koreans? Is there anything? Why, why on earth would Kim Jong-un trust anything um, that this administration says? I want to get back to the president in moments, but I want to talk about the Democrats also early and tie that in to the despicable and, you know, we, we need to see, if not criminal actions, by Harvey Weinstein. Right? Mm-hmm. This is an extraordinarily powerful person out of Hawaii, uh, Hollywood, excuse me. Mm. And there has been great reporting by The New York Times and others on what has been taking place with Weinstein for decades. Mm-hmm. And there are questions about power, suppression, assault, rape, police conduct, but also politics, because Weinstein has been a huge supporter of Democrats for a long, long time, whether mm-hmm. it's been Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton. Barack Obama, senators in this country, mm-hmm. including Al Franken. How do you think the Democrats have responded when they've been asked or needed to respond to their association, considering what has been reported on Weinstein over the last few days? Well, I, I believe Senator Franken uh, announced uh, earlier this week that he was going to give the money back or give it to some other organization. 
I don't think Democrats probably have come out as forthrightly uh, as they should. Um, But I would note that Harvey Weinstein is not an elected official, unlike our president, who had a number of these accusations, same same types of accusations. Not rape, though. Uh, No, not rape. Well, you know, no. Not rape. Not formal. We got to be clear about that. Yeah. And part of this is the way Hollywood has worked for too long. Um, So I think there has been a culture of silence. Um, that was established uh, probably with the beginning of Hollywood. Yeah. They just pay it off, pay it off, pay it off. You could go back through history, you know, celebrities, producers, um, stars, you know, that doesn't condone it. And maybe this is the one that finally stops it. But I think it is going to take Democrats um, coming out as strongly on this as they did on President Trump's, you know, um, infamous remarks about yeah. grabbing things. Um, they need to show that, that that this is not tribalism, that if it's one of theirs, they're going to be just as diligent about calling it out as they were with the other side. So how have they handled that, John? Because I, I felt like it's taken a little too long myself. I get mm-hmm. the point where you can say we need to see the facts. But do they show that same patience if it's someone who politically doesn't align with their views? I think you bring up a good point. And to their credit, none of them have defended him. And in fact, they have damned him, you know, across the spectrum in terms of any kind of Democrat who has commented on it. It seemingly has taken quite some time since these initial allegations came out in the bombshell New York Times report. But one wonders how the entire political, let alone Hollywood community, didn't know about this in terms of you right. know, just how he was operating and particularly because he did have we reported eight settlements that he paid out that this didn't get around to people whom he was sending money to in mm-hmm. from that respect. So, you know, I think that the Republicans have quite skillfully used Hollywood as a foil in yes. many of the elections in right. terms of talking about the values of, of Democrats in the elections. This amplifies this kind of attack. And I think that the Democrats have to tread very, very carefully as they move forward as any political party or politician on an individual basis has to in terms of whom they get money from. Let me uh, circle back here to the president from an NBC report earlier today and then the president's response here in the last hour or so. President Donald Trump said he wanted what amounted to be a nearly tenfold increase and the U.S. nuclear arsenal during a gathering this past summer, according to three officials who were in the room. Trump's comments came in response to a briefing he saw showing the decline of weapons since the late 1960s, and NBC points out how shocked and surprised folks were in the meeting. These are top-level officials. Mm -hmm. This is Secretary of State. This is the Vice President. The President, uh, as is his want, comes out and says, fake NBC News made up the story that I want this tenfold increase. Then he says... With all of the fake news coming out of NBC and networks, at what point is it appropriate to challenge their license? Bad for the country. How do you view this whole story? I think what's bad for the country is a president that is continually assaulting the First Amendment. Um, he does not seem to recognize that that is exactly the kind of um, thing that you, you wouldn't want to do. Yank their license because they said something that you don't like. That happens in a dictatorship, not in this country. Um, so I think, you know, whatever the merits of the story are, I mean, obviously he's unhappy that he's got massive leaks in his administration. They seem incapable of having a private conversation, a private meeting, a private tech 
text even. Why do you think there are so many leaks? Oh, because I I think um, people are very unhappy with this president, even the ones who work in the administration. And typically what happens is, you know, they want to preserve their own jobs, their own careers, and so they find a way to leak things out. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the way of it. Um, there's There are more leaks in this administration than I can't think of any parallel, really. Um, and it's because, I would say, probably because they don't respect the person they're working for. John, what do you think? Because If there are indeed are all these leaks and it's really shown through this NBC and other reports in terms of just how deeply sourced the amount of stories all of us and all the listeners have read – let's say, as according to eight sources, 10 sources, yeah. 12 sources. Enormous numbers. It's yeah. remarkable how many people are willing to talk. Yeah. So if indeed that's true to the substance of the issue, it at minimum shows that President Trump doesn't understand the history of arms control negotiations from both SALT and START treaties that were completed with the Soviet Union and then with Russia in terms of moving down and dialing down the amount of nuclear armaments each side has. This is, these are uh, decades of achievements by both sides in terms of trying to limit the amount of nuclear weapons. There also is an ongoing controversy in terms of what President Obama had suggested of nearly $1 trillion investment over 30 years to modernize the nuclear arsenal yeah, that right. we have. And that's just for what we have. The idea that we would then tenfold it, it would be almost literally fiscally impossible to do something like that. But Let you know, alone it, violate treaties. Yeah, it, Absolutely. It, it goes without saying that he doesn't know what he's talking about on this and so many other subjects. He spouts off in a way it's you don't, you don't know what to do about it because um, he won't empower the people under him, the secretaries, um, to act with any base of knowledge. Um, he won't give them the resources in terms of the personnel and the impo- appointments. We know how he starved um, the State Department and all these other agencies. Um, and then just, you know, becomes a one-man wrecking crew on things that it took this country decades to build up. Um, I'm not sure if this is what people wanted when they wanted someone who was going to turn over the table in Washington. Yeah. But this is really starting to become um, frightening because this has real effects. You know, when he undermines his secretary of state, and then and then challenges him to an IQ test. He was joking. It even, doesn't even though, matter. Even though he he said this five or six other times, right? right? So we know yep. he wasn't joking. Yeah, the this, IQ test is a go-to for that's him. His, that's one mm-hmm. of his defaults. Let, mm-hmm. Let's finish with this, John. You chime in on Puerto Rico because we cannot forget Puerto oh. Rico. That so many things in our lives happen. Right. And you forget that this is a country where 85 percent, they still don't have electricity. I saw another and story. And running out of food. Right. Running out of food. I saw a lengthy story in The Times today about the medical crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, individuals evacuated from different hospitals. You know, we brought the comfort there, right, from the Navy. <clears throat> and it can, it, it can treat hundreds of patients. But as of now, they have just 82 patients there. What is still going on? What should people in this country, citizens of Minnesota, still be paying attention to? This is a broadcast and a podcast about politics. This should be the most apolitical issue that exists. These are American citizens Correct. Mm-hmm. in clearly harm's way and increasing nearly exponentially as time goes on the amount of peril that they have given the unsafe drinking water, given the lack of electricity, given the incredible infrastructure challenges that they now face. And this is something that just as the country rightly rallied around the victims of Katrina and more recently, Harvey and Irma, that they should look at those who were hit in Puerto Rico just as they would people in New Orleans, Houston, Florida, and beyond and say, 
we have to do everything possible. And I don't think that there's any observer who would look at the response so far and say that that's happening. And so yeah. I think it's time for the country to rally behind that. Yeah, but more importantly, um, the elected officials have to. Congress has to. They have to tell the White House, this is untenable. It can't stand. We're not going to forget an American territory um, full of U.S. citizens and leave them to die because that's what's happening. Um, If this was happening in in this country, in the contiguous United States, Mm -hmm. there's no way this would be taking place. Right. At this pace right now. There's that, no, there's no right. chance. It's, it's not possible. And, you know, we've heard just a string of ridiculous excuses from, you know, it's an island surrounded by water. Big well, so was So was Haiti. And that didn't stop a massive U.S. response right. um, after their earthquake. And, and people involved in that effort have talked at length about the logistics of how that happened yep. and how you have to organize something like this. It doesn't just happen on its own. You have to prepare for it. You have to do advance work, none of which was done, apparently. Um, You know, this was forecast for days and days. They had time to figure out what they wanted to do. Instead, you have the FEMA director coming on national television and saying, we've tuned out um, the mayor of San Juan. Um, they're, they're no longer, um, you know, paying attention. How, How can you do that to an elected official who is representing people? The start of this was simply her saying, we need help. People are dying. Right? That's right. People are dying. And, yeah. uh, John, just to finish, no one is, is doubting the difficulty no of the circumstances. It. But it has turned into the show from the president primarily, look at my brilliance, and then to move to other issues as opposed to we are going to continue to follow this story until this country is further along. There are reports now saying that many parts of the country will not have power for another year. Right. Imagine that for oh, one year. Their economy is destroyed. Yeah. And instead, you know, his his bar seems to be you have to pay a certain obeisance to him. You have to uh, express tremendous gratitude and personal praise. Otherwise, you get on the wrong side of him. That's what happened here. And so now he's no longer interested in Puerto Rico, not going to make it happen. Is it difficult? Sure. But it's not that difficult. I mean, you know, we have the most resources of any country in the world. We can airlift supplies and we can get CBs there, you know, to build what needs to be built. We can do this. We know how to do this. And if we don't, how on earth are we going to take on the Middle East? The way he said it was going to be so easy to get rid of the terrorists. We can't even get supplies to an American territory. Another uh, 20 minutes or so with a lot of issues. We need to touch on many others. So, Patricia and John, thanks so much. Thank you. Check Thank out you. Patricia and John's excellent work with the Star Tribune, the editorial board on a daily basis. And if you have time, listen to my show, Chad Hartman, here on WCCO Radio, noon to 3.